Hello there. You're listening to Sasitap podcast by Sashwath and Oscar where we speak with startup founders, venture capitalists and some of the leading talents in the world. We listen to their personal journeys and share their stories that shape their world view. Hello everyone. Today we have Anna Boyerkena, head of product at Miro. She's a very strong advocate for customer experience and user-centric design at Miro. Welcome to the show Anna. Hey everyone. Happy to be here. I think you are very passionate about product management and we'd love to know a little bit about your approach to product strategy because you have been with Miro for almost a decade and you've seen all the phases of the product development and product strategy as well. We'd love to have a sneak peek around those areas. Thank you very much for the question. I think that in every product manager's work there is a point of a time when you start to think not only about experimentation but you actually start thinking about product strategy. And when I think about product strategy for me there are several things that matter. So one is the user. So user is always in the center because ultimately the job of everyone who is in the product is to create value. And value is not created in the air, it's created for the users. So that is why understanding the user problems and identifying the biggest ones. So this is one of the key points of the product strategy. Another part of that is the market. We are building the product to satisfy user needs on the one hand, on the other hand, we are all in some kind of business. So that is why we need to understand if the problem is big and if it has potential. So the next thing is the market. And in this case, it's really important to segment the users and understand so what is the intersection between those customer segments, their needs, and the market that has the biggest potential. And this is basically a very simplified version of the product strategy that we are thinking about. And then when it comes to formulating the product strategy, how I usually do it together with the team is thinking about a three years horizon. So we are not thinking about only just half a year, although the market is really dynamic. We are thinking about what we want to achieve and here it comes the vision. So we are thinking about the customer problem we want to solve and the future when we want to have this problem solved. And then we are thinking about who the customers are, what the segments are, what the type of solution we build, what the innovation is. And then starting from there we are making bets. So the bet is basically something big that we are thinking about that can probably has great impact. As an example, a couple of years back we were thinking about our kibets like simplicity in user experience and since that time we are continuing to simplify that simplify and simplify and simplify and we still believe that this is one of the key things that people want to see in any product especially SaaS product which is used by millions of users. You're very right on that. I think you have been with Miro for almost a decade. So what would you make differently when you look back at your time maybe 9 years back? Initially I think it was called as real time board as well and then a lot of pivots and iterations would have happened over a period of few years. So what are some of your learnings and experience in developing a global product like Miro? Yeah, so we we could rebrand it earlier. Just kidding. <laughs> real time board was a great name. It told everyone what it does. Thinking about things that I would do differently probably everything is experience so that is why for me the journey that we were in is amazing by itself but we are speaking about learnings i would say that one thing is learn from the user experience that your users have and not only look at the data look only at the things in combination so look at the insights that you can have from numbers but always always look for why because none of this when it comes separately tells us a story so this is one of the biggest things just to get it right what you guys are doing right now is you look at the data but then also ask the customers why they do what they do basically and then combine these two things and then 
gain your insights? Yeah, yeah. So usually we go with the hypothesis. So for instance, we understand that there is a problem area that we need to fix. And then we are trying to understand what could be the extended hypothesis. And we are trying to interview our customers and to get deep understanding of their environment, of their situations that they are facing with. And then we are trying to validate this with data. So going for qualitative and then quantify them. So Anna, I'm very curious about this. When we talk about the global players like, for example, Apple or Google, it's customer first, right? And you also said that that's something very important to you. Let's talk to the customer what's most important to them. So these companies and you guys as well put a lot of effort in consumer research, on customer research. Can you share with us some of the deep insights you gathered along the way when you talk about consumer research? Like you mentioned already, simplicity first. Do you have some other really deep insights you learned along the way? If you speak about the users, so we are doing collaboration software. So what we learned so far is that collaboration is not happening between the tools. Collaboration is happening always between the people. So that is why when you are building the product, it is not only about the functionality. It's also about emotional engagement. And actually, when we are designing product, we are not designing the functionality itself. We are designing the time as well, because people are spending hours trying to do something. So it, when it comes especially to collaboration platforms, so Zoom is also a collaboration platform. Basically, it's the time spent. And Mirror is also a collaboration platform. And how people are interacting, what people are thinking about is not only the task that they're executing, it's also about how they feel. So that is why we put a lot of effort into fun and engagement. So for instance, we recently introduced the function which is called reactions and people can just throw these reactions on the moment. And the others in the presentation or workshop can see that, oh, wow, this is something fun. Learning about that, when we are speaking about simplification, we are speaking not only about the product, we are speaking about cognitive load. And we also learned that a lot of users tend to go to the defaults when they are introduced to something new, to some stressful situation or a stressful product. Like every new product is stressful for people because they need to learn. They are changing their habits. So that is why our goal is to reduce the cognitive load when they are entering this first phase. So that is why the templates that we have and Mirrorverse that we have play a great role into how people onboard themselves into new things. And we are trying to create some kind of excitement in learning new methodologies, new practices, and get inspiration from others because they overcame this challenge. They got used to this. They got used to methodology. They got used to the products. This is all about humans. This is not about just SaaS. I really love that. I'm a designer myself. I'm a big fan of making things simple, right? Make it as simple as possible for the user so they can basically achieve their goal. So Anna, what I really like about your approach, you have a very unique program in your company. And I've worked with many startups before, many companies before, but I've never seen something like this. You have like a program called 100 UX improvements in 30 days. So can you share with us more about your workflow? How do you approach that? What is it all about? The program that you're talking about was introduced last year when there was the whole movement to remote in the companies and uh, everyone faced the challenge. So how do we collaborate remotely? And we realized that there is a huge gap between the understanding of the products by the new users who are not that proficient in canvas-based tools, Miro, or some kind of typical graphic design programs. And we thought that what could be the most impactful thing that we can introduce. And we understood that most of people care about small things. So interaction, navigation, text formatting, because these simple details make the whole experience. And we thought what could be the challenge for the team as well So this is not just like 
hey, we are improving this and this and that. So it sounds kind of boring, but we also thought about how we can add a little bit more fun into team collaboration. So that is why we uh, created a program which had ambitious goal of introducing 100 improvements. And it was a time boxed thing, like a hackathon on user experience for a month for every product team. And everyone was contributing to the backlog. So first of all, we started to think, so what are the biggest areas? Created a huge backlog. So every team with their area of expertise contributed to that, what they can fix, what they can improve. And then each week we had a progress on that. So I think we achieved the goal of 70 something, so almost 80 improvements into 30 days, which is really amazing. That's actually really amazing. I know companies who take much longer than that, of course. So when we talk about remote work, like especially in these times, right, more and more competitors are actually coming to the market. What is your strategy in improving or building your mode around Miro? I think one of the most important things always for everyone in the market is listening to the user and understanding the user. Because ultimately, it's not the competition that defines the value proposition, it's the customer. So that is why uh, what we are trying to do and we were always doing, continue to do is focus on the biggest user needs. And I think this is crucial to success, of course. You need to understand how the market is moving. You need to understand so what are the problems that are arising because competition is not only direct competition. So for instance, before pandemic, our main competitor was just a physical whiteboard and web camera. Like it happened in a lot of companies. So that is why you need to understand so what are the current ways that people are solving the problem and what could be the future ways. So I think this is one of the main strategies. And of course, learning. Because competition is good in the sense that it incentivizes learning a lot. So that is why we are thinking always about how we can better solve the customer problems. Where can we learn how to solve them better? And who can be your inspiration? It can be from competition. It can be from the customer. It can be from another industry. And of course, it can be from community. Community is the greatest source of inspiration. Excellent. I've been very active in the Miro community as well, and I've been using Miro, especially since last year. I realized that a lot of use cases are cropping up where I just introduced Miro to one of the strategy consulting engagement that I was in. A lot of management consultants at this part of the world are also using Miro. It's a great product for team collaboration, especially in this distributed workforce that we all are working in. So my question to you is that you would have managed multiple teams over the last few years. You are hiring, recruiting, training, grooming people from all parts of the world, and you yourself have a distributed team. How do you recognize an average product manager, or I wouldn't say mediocre, but then from a very stellar product manager? What are the KPIs that you have to judge or you know learn from them as well? That's a cool question. First of all, I wouldn't categorize people in like mediocre and stellar and whatever. So of course, people are developing. And when we are looking for a person who is able to execute complex projects and has a potential to make a breakthrough immediately. So this is how we can define this like stellar product manager. So I'm looking at several things. So one is their product sense. By product sense, I mean how these people can understand the customer and then transform this understanding into the functionality, into the product vision. This comes from experience. Unfortunately, you cannot do this right away. Of course, probably there are some very talented people who can see the product, who have these hunches, which are really true, but these hunches do not come from nowhere. They, they are coming from experience. They are coming from looking at different solutions, from making a lot of mistakes. So that is why I'm looking at this part. 
Another part, which is complementary to product sense, is product craft. This is basically how people are building the product. If you want to make this innovation, if you want to make this breakthroughs, I would say these are probably small breakthroughs, but in every feature that we are trying to introduce, we make some difference. So we are looking at the possibility of making this process repeatable. And when it comes to repeatable process, there are several things like customer understanding. So if the person is talking to customers, if the person is trying to gain insights from these customer interviews and different other signals like looking through support tickets or talking to community members, Another part of that product craft is working with data. So being able to combine this intuition and insights that are coming from the interviews with the data points, find the biggest leverages, and then introduce something that solves the problem in the minimum amount of time. And execution plays here a key role as well. So because if you have a great idea, but you are not able to execute on it, you will never reach the product success. Excellent. Product craft and product sense. Nice annexation, to be honest. You know, there are a lot of laws in product management as well. People are, you know, the Silicon Valley way of hyperscaling up uh, products as well. According to you, are there any universal laws of product management besides the usual ones? Like, let's say, you know, design thinking, user-centric approach, edge not hypothesis testing, A-B testing, etc. Are there some laws that you really think would really define an amazing or a great product from, again, a so-so product? There is product and product management. When we are speaking about great products, I think the greatest products are solving the problem. They're simple and they add not only functional, but emotional delight because you are spending time and you are basically investing time. And it's really important how to feel after that. And another part of product management. So how, how we are doing this product. You mentioned a couple of things already. Being user-centric, do A-B testing. And I think one of the most important things is not being afraid of making mistakes. Because while you are finding the right solution, you probably will find 10 wrong solutions or even more. And that is fine because if you are trying to create something revolutionary and they think this is something that is common between people who are coming to the product because they want to create impact. But to create impact, you are trying to make something that is different from the way how people are solving this problem right now. This is a path which is not really simple. And you are experimenting. You are trying to combine a lot of factors which were not in the same combination. So, And this is absolutely true that you will fail. And this is actually good to fail. And I think that learning from mistakes and not being afraid to do that, this is really important. Excellent. And, you know, we were discussing within a few of our other Miro community members as well, like Jonathan White, Joshi Gruber, and Andrea. And they had a few questions around the Miro product as well. So I'll just take one or two of them. They were saying that will Miro give them an ability to create layers so that they can lock, bring forward a ton of objects. This would make setting up, locking much more easier and working on the boats also very much comfortable. And Andrea was saying that is there an enhancement uh, coming up for the project structure within one of the Miro team, you know, like building hierarchy between the projects, tagging and filtering of projects as well. On the last one, so this is one of the main focuses of the team that is in charge of knowledge management within the Miro. So they are researching different types of organization of information. So, and this is on the radar. This is not a simple thing because it should reflect somehow how people are organizing their thoughts. And this is an architectural challenge that teams are tackling. 
As for the layers, we have some functionality that allows you to lock things already. But for the layers, we need to research this case a little bit deeper, not to create a kind of Photoshop version because it will be too complicated and uh, we need to find the right balance between the simplicity and the solving for this use case. On this, there is more on the research side rather than execution right now. As a product leader, one of the most important thing that you would be doing is like prioritization, right? In your all kinds of spheres of life. So what are your hacks in uh, prioritization in whether it is professional or personal as well? Is it like some metric that you follow? Is that is a framework like Eisenhower metrics or how do you do it? And what are some of the best hacks that you've learned as well? I think prioritization is the biggest challenge for most of the people. And I always try to upgrade myself and to update the knowledge I have. So that is why I would be happy to learn your tips and tricks as well. Uh, it always comes to some hard choices. What I'm trying to do when I have a lot of things to create, to decide on, I'm trying to plan around big rocks. For instance, each week or each month or each quarter, I have three, four big areas that I need to make decisions on and make a progress on. And everything I do, I'm trying to prioritize around these things. And all the rest is the just sand, which comes after these big rocks. And I think this helps me to always keep focus. And I'm usually planning at the beginning of the quarter. So I do a huge plan. And then I reprioritize every week. And once a quarter, I do a retrospective trying to understand so what worked, what didn't work, and then plan again the huge chunk of work. I'm pretty sure, you know, quite a lot of customers and users who are using Miro at this point in time love it. So the customer delight is already there and they're also looking for more, more features. So what happens is that when your product evolves across different geographies, across various use cases, the demand from the product also increases. People expect more from the product because they love it so much. How are you forecasting these expectations and preempting, uh, you know, not letting the users, you know, raise their voice at a later point in time? Just curious around your thoughts. We are always looking at early signals. So what is changing within the audience? We are looking at new roles that are becoming more and more crucial in the workflow. So for instance, in the recent years, we had a lot of developers who joined the product. Of course, they were introduced to the product, for instance, by product managers. And we see that they also have their own use cases. So that is why we need to be conscious on their user requests and on their needs and functionality. Another thing, we are always trying to balance between this simplicity and the feature rich because ultimately why people love the product. So we understand they love it because of simplicity. So that is why we were thinking about the ways how we can introduce more features along with keeping simplicity. And this is not the simple challenge, you know? So probably you've already seen that we have marketplace with the applications that you can install to enrich your workflow. And this is one of the approaches how we can provide more value, but at the same time, keep the basic product simple. And this is what we are doing. And we have developers community as well. And there is a chance to develop the application that solves the unique needs of the user, of the team, or of the enterprise by using our API and SDK, which is also one of the ways to enrich the workflow. Excellent. So and, uh, our last question would be, uh, you would be reading a lot of novels or a lot of you know, material from various sources as well. Was there a specific novel or a book or some particular article that really inspired you or you liked it or something that you're reading at this point in time? Yeah, I just finished the book yesterday, which is called The Power of Moments. And I think for everyone who is in product management, this is an essential book. It is focused on creating the experiences. And basically, our experiences consist of delights, so like pits and transitions. 
And this is sometimes happens by accident, but you actually can design it. And if you are working on a product and if you understand this math, I would say you will be able to create so much more moments for the users, which will create better experience and make the products more sticky. So highly recommended. Thanks a lot, Anna. And thank you so much for your time. And hopefully we'll be launching a few of our community events out here in this part of the world. And these nuggets of information will be definitely very helpful to our community members. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you.